0: You got your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Do you love your Bible? Yes. Yeah. Hopefully you do. You love Jesus this morning? You love your neighbor this morning? Yeah. All right, just making sure. Some of you are like, I don't even know my neighbor. <laughs> That's all right. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11 says this I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in, in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Right? Every turn to your neighbor and say, you are a branch. Just to clarify that this morning. I think the best titles that you and I have, at least according to Bible, is that we are sheep and we are branches. <laughs> it's so positive, okay? I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. I'm going to explain that section of scripture in just a few minutes because uh, many of us have a wrong foundation and understanding of what he's talking about right here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Today, as we finish out our series, Social Space, I want to speak to you from the subject, Branch Matters. Branch Matters. As we look at our identity and the importance of it being found in Jesus. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and it's powerful. And so God, I'm asking you this morning that you would speak to us. As we open up your word, as we glance upon the gospel, the good news, I pray that your presence would saturate our hearts and our minds in this moment. So God, I ask that you would speak to us. Our hearts are ready. Our ears are open. We've come to hear from you this morning. And so we ask you to speak to us. We love you. We worship you. We thank you for this amazingly beautiful day. I thank you for all of these people. I pray that you'd bless them this morning, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and the church shouted, "Amen!" I don't know if you've uh, if you've seen uh, pictures, uh, but my wife is uh, like on social media overload when it comes to our baby right now. She uh, posts all the time pictures of of L and. Um, And and it's so much fun to to be in this phase again. We've got a seven-year-old and a six-year-old and now like a two-month-old. And it's been a wild transition to to go from like this really kind of cool moment where our kids are now seven and six and they do things on their own and like Shiloh, she's uh, Justice is sick, and so Shiloh's with me uh, this morning. And she got up at seven o'clock, and she's like, "Dad, I'm ready to go to church." And she's excited. and I'm like, "Baby, you got to get dressed and get ready to go." And she's putting her breakfast together, and everything like that's the phase that we're in with these guys, and it's an amazing phase. But then when you go from that to back to baby. Lord help us, like it's a whole nother level, and I forgot about diapers, and crying, and all the other things that are happening, but it's such a cool phase to be in, and one of, the, one of the things that I forgot that we did when we had these, when Justice and Shiloh were super little, is we would look at them, and have the conversation, who do they look like? Remember, you remember those days? Parents, you remember those days? Who do they look like? Do they look like, does he look like uh, him? Does he look like her? And right now, everybody's saying that L looks like me, which is not good, for her. <laughs> Not good. Hopefully it progresses and the Lord blesses and she <laughs> transforms into her mom. And so, um, but it's fun. But when we have that conversation, like, man, what does she look like? It automatically begins in a new conversation, a new thought process for me, which I start thinking, man, I wonder what she's going to be like. Like, I wonder who she's going she's to be like. And, and I don't want to make anybody jealous that has a newborn in here, but our kiddo is sleeping through the night already. Like, it is insane, like two months, like, and, and it's like crazy. Like, we put her down at 7.30 at night. All of our kids are down to bed at 7.30 at night, and we have Erica and Jason time. Like, that is a blessing from on high, Right. And so I'm like, well, she's definitely not like the rest of the family because all of us are like, go, 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 go. She's just this chill kind of baby. We had this conversation. I wonder who she's going to be. I wonder what her temperament's going to be. She's super smiley right now. Like, she smiles more than anybody in our family smiles, right? And so I'm like, oh, she's happy and and, and content. And maybe she's got a great, maybe she's going to be the comedian in the family because we know that Justin's not funny. And so, um. (laughs) <laughs> so we start down the path of who will she, she be like? What are, what are we digging into when we ask those questions? Ultimately, we're talking about our identity. Who is she going to be? The issue of identity is one that no matter what age and stage of life that we find ourselves in, we are always facing it. When we are young babies and our parents are wondering the very things that I'm wondering about L right now, it's, and, and it's pure and it's innocent. However, as we grow older, learn more, garner experience in life, and taste the ramifications of our decisions, we become acutely more aware of this issue of identity and how it informs and defines our life as a whole. As a parent, I'm trying to protect my kids right now so that their identity can be shaped in a wholesome way, right? And so I'm making sure that I deflect certain things and I keep them from seeing certain things and hearing certain things and experiencing certain things so at least for the longest amount of time possible, I can help guide who they will be because identity is such an important thing. And I think if we're all honest, the idea and truth of identity scares us. And that is because for many, if not most of us, we are in the midst of an identity crisis. We can be the 15 year old who's trying to figure out who they are amongst their peers and who's constantly comparing themselves to the glossy and well polished posts of social media. Or we're the 18 to 25-year-old in the throes of college life who is trying to figure out the balance of school, work, social interactions, and whether or not it all actually matters. Maybe we're the 30-something who's seeking higher education in order to make a mark on the world around them, all while navigating the waters of debt, desire, entry-level positions, and the ever-so-complicated dating game. Maybe we're the stay-at-home mom who thought that she was going to tackle the corporate world only to find herself covered in spit-up and diapers and crowns strewn everywhere, and the dog in the back who won't stop barking. Maybe we're the 40-year-old man who's climbed the rungs of the corporate ladder only to find that no matter the success, there is still this biting desire for more, and because of it, more leaves him in a battle with temptation, cutting corners, and a desire to simply just run away. Maybe we're the older couple whose kids are doing life, creating grandchildren, traveling the world. All the while we're looking on, wondering if there was a place and a purpose for me in this ever-changing, constantly advancing technology-based world. No matter where we are at in life, we are having identity issues. And the problem with it is this, is that if we're not careful... These identity issues that we're facing, they have a tendency to define us no matter what stage of life that we're in, and more importantly, they affect our relationships. Because the bottom line is this, is if we don't know who we are, then when we're in the midst of any type of relationship, we find ourselves in a very insecure and vulnerable state, because identity matters. And we can go on and on, but the point is that no matter where we're at in life, we're always trying to figure out what and who we are. And here's the thing. And and through the gospel, we are given the answers to these questions and we are offered truth concerning our identity. And why is this important? When we know the answer to the ever-present question of our identity, we are then able to negotiate life in a way that represents that truth. What's the problem? Most of us negotiate life in a way that represents the lies that we have been told about who we are and who we should be. In other words, many of us have allowed our identity to be based upon insufficient foundations and lies. Instead of basing our identity on truth, who Jesus says that we are, who the Bible says that I am, we have based our identity on a foundation that is shaky at best, broken at worst. And we've bought into the lies that have been projected upon us and said to us and and, and some of the dysfunctions that we've walked through and some of the things that we've experienced, we've allowed that to shape our identity. But this morning I want to let you know that there's one who wants to shape your identity in such a way that says, look, you are okay and my grace is sufficient for you. That when our identity is based in Jesus, when it's founded on Jesus, when we find who we are in Jesus, it changes everything. So we've got to stop looking to, to social media. We've got to stop looking to our job, to our, to our workplace, to our relationships, to our past, to our future, to the insecurity. Now We've got to start looking to Jesus to define who we are. So we need to know who we are, and whose we are. In order to do this, I want to take a look at three distinctives that mark our life when our identity is found in friendship with Jesus. See, John chapter 15 right here that we just read is an interesting piece of Scripture. And for many of us, we define it a certain way. But the central theme of John chapter 15 is all about identity. I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is creating a relational equation for us. He's saying, I am the vine, I am the main source, and you are the branches. And when you grow off of me and are attached to me, then you will be everything that you're supposed to be. You will have all the nutrients, all the sustenance, all the identity that you possibly need. Why? Because I am the vine and you are the branches. Come on this morning, show of hands. How many of you want to be a branch? <laughs> I know I want to be. I want to be a branch. Now, now the Bible, we just read it right here. It says this, that when you are disconnected, when you are removed, when you remove yourself from identifying with the vine, it says that you're tossed away in fire, burnt. Now, a lot of people think that, that we're talking about right here, hell. We're not talking about hell right there. What he's talking about, what what the writer's giving us and what Jesus is trying to show us is that a branch disconnected from the vine is not actually a branch, it's just a dead stick. And here's the problem with the generation that we live in right now. We have a lot of dead sticks running around. Not knowing what they are, who they are and what they truly should be. And one dead stick gets with another dead stick. And there's all kinds of crazy dead stickness happening. And then we wonder why it's getting ugly and getting weird and getting difficult. It's because you have one dead stick leading another dead stick, and dead sticks don't get anywhere together. So Jesus is offering us a simple solution to the equation. He said, don't be dead sticks! Be a branch, be a branch. I was gonna bring them this morning, but I have this beautiful, massive tree in my front yard right now with all of these leaves that are attached to it, and then all of these other leaves that aren't attached to it. <laughs> and when I look at the tree and I, and I see all these leaves attached to it, pretty leaves. They're beautiful leaves. I call them leaves. Why? Because they're still attached to the tree. What do I call the leaves on the ground? Trash. Think about that statement. This is what, what what do we do? So we go out there and we rake them up, or if you're my neighbor, you blow them into my yard, and we put them in trash bags. And we bind them up and we take all of these dead leaves, the things that are no longer attached to the tree, we put them in plastic bags and we drop them on the front of our doorstep so that they can be taken away and disposed of. And this is the picture that Jesus is wanting us to see. When we are no longer a branch connected to the vine, we are simply a dead stick and there is no identity basis in that. And so no wonder we treat ourselves like trash this is the picture this is the equation but we're offered something better that's the good news is we're offered something better and that's what I want to talk about for the remainder of our time this morning I want to look at three distinctives that was two three distinctives that mark our life when our identity is found in friendship with Jesus number one every shout number one for me the first one is this we are taken out of bondage we're taken out of bondage. Listen to Romans 6 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved. Enslaved to sin. In other words, in bondage to sin. Bondage according to the Tyndale Bible Dictionary is this, anything that, listen to this, this is awesome, anything that fastens or restrains subjection or slavery, the basic concept in Hebrew and in Greek words translated bond or bondage is this, loss of freedom. And the interesting thing is, is that many of us believe that when we are a branch connected to the vine, we have no freedom, but what the Bible is presenting to us is that the complete opposite. See, when we're a branch connected to the vine, we have all the freedom to be who God's created us to be. But when we are a stick no longer connected to the vine, we actually find the greatest degree of bondage. Why? Because we're not connected to the source of freedom. We're not connected to the source of freedom. Can you see how this starts to redefine how I do relationships? See, because the problem is this. If I believe that I'm something that I'm not, then I go into my relationship with this broken identity. See, when I just a stick, I walk into the relationships that I have in life or even with myself, and I believe and I view myself a certain way. I view myself as a stick. Sticks aren't cool. We pick them up and we throw them for dogs, right? My children use them for hiking. I want us to kind of get this picture because a branch, though, something connected. I've got all these beautiful trees in my backyard. Why are they beautiful trees? Because they have branches that are connected to sources of life. The beauty of our identity comes out when we are connected to the source of life. Come on, somebody. When I'm a branch connected to the, when I abide in Jesus, my identity becomes its truest form and I am removed from bondage. I'm no longer a slave to certain things. The biblical idea of bondage helps us generate the picture of one being, once again, according to the Tyndale Bible Dictionary, as enslaved to forces hostile to their well-being in life. Have you ever felt like you were enslaved to something that was hostile to the well-being of your life? It's called bondage. This is what Paul presents to us in Romans 7 when he talks about doing what we do not want to do and not doing what we, we do want to do. And this is ultimately what John is saying to us when he writes in John chapter 15, 1 through 3, I am the vine, the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear much fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you have been removed from bondage. And for many of us, we don't even realize that we are in bondage. (laughs) Think about that. That bondage, here's the tough one. Here's some tough love this morning. That bondage has actually become a part of who we are. We fail to realize that our addiction is part of our bondage. Our unforgiveness is part of our bondage. Our lust, our pride, our insecurity, our fear, our selfishness are all a part of our bondage. And so this is what we say, hey, come on, let's do a relationship together. I'm going to bring all the things that I'm enslaved into into this relationship, and you're going to bring all of these things that you're enslaved into this relationship, and we're going to hope that we can progress forward. But what if... We lived out of our true identity, that being a person who has been taken out of bondage by the grace of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a God who sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die upon the cross for me so that I could be released from bondage. I am thankful that I don't have to stand here today anymore attached to the things that once enslaved me, but I can freely run, and I can walk in, and I can step into everything that God has for me. Why? Because I've been taken out of bondage, and I'm dedicated to being a branch attached to the vine. In Jesus... So we got to understand that our identity, the mark of a person who's found their identity in Jesus is one that has been taken out of bondage. Now here's the interesting thing. One of the greatest reasons that we struggle with this area of identity is because we've failed to live in the freedom that has been given to us in Christ. This is why Paul writes to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1. He says, for freedom... Christ has set us free. Watch what he says. says, Then he says this, stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery or bondage. It's interesting that Paul would say, for freedom Christ has set us free. Just so you know, Galatians, you have been set free in Christ. And then he says, stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Why? Because human tendency is to waddle back to the very thing that we find ourselves in bondage with. So we've got to be constantly reminded, stop going back to the place of slavery and start stepping into who you are in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You have been set free. It no longer has to define you. You fill in the blanks. Because some of us are letting the past define us. We're letting those words define us. We're letting the bitterness and the anger define us. We're letting the sin define us. And Christ is saying, listen, I've set you free. Stand firm, therefore, in it, Front row's in the spit zone today. (laughs) My wife picked up my iPad the other day, and she's like, what is all over your iPad? And I was like... It's Braille made in saliva. That's what it is. (laughs) It's gross. (laughs) See, we may have been given freedom in Christ, but we have to choose to stand in it. And allow who we are, our identity, to be founded and formed upon it. See, you see, bondage is the barrier to stepping into all that Jesus wants to do in us and through us. Bondage is the barrier to realizing, seeing, understanding, and operating in our true identity in Christ. So the first distinctive of a life and identity found in Christ is that we understand that we've been taken out of bondage. As a slave, you have no identity outside of your performed task. As a friend of Jesus, your identity is founded upon a relationship that grafts us into a greater reality. Purpose and reason for our lives, the life of a disciple. Yeah. We're going to talk about this a little bit more, but the first distinctive of a man and a woman who have found themselves allowing their identity to be in Christ is we recognize and understand that we are taken out of bondage. We are taken out of bondage. Number two, every shout, number two. <laughs> the second one is this <clears throat> we have a change in appetite. Come on, somebody. We have a change in appetite. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 6. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free, there it is again, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In other words, Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death, from the law of bondage. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Here's the the key, though. Here we go. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. In other words, we have, when our identity is found in Christ, we have a change in appetite. It's amazing how much our identity fuels that which we crave and desire in life. I call it our appetite. Appetite. Paul presents to us this truth. Our appetite, someone needs to write this down this morning, our appetite is a reflection of our identity. I work out, try, if I'm not trying to kill myself from working out. And so, <clears throat> I got back into the gym this week, <clears throat> two weeks ago actually. I've been a couple times and I'm still trying to sort some things out and, and, uh, and kind of figure out where my baseline's at, but... It's amazing what happens, and those of you who, who work out, you potentially will know what I'm talking about, or those of you who go on a new health plan or, or, or things like that, when you're trying to get healthy, this is, this is what amazes me, okay? And this is the body's way of actually presenting to us a biblical principle. It is amazing how much you desire good food when you're trying to get healthy, because when I was in the hospital and out of the hospital and not working out and not paying attention to my health, all I want to eat is Sour Patch Kids. An in and out burger. And how many of you know that is a well-rounded blessed diet right there? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's all I want. And I stepped into the gym for the first time last week after giving, being given the clearance from my doc. I stepped in and I did one workout. And this is kind of how I operate. I did one workout and I came out and I was like, baby, we're gonna be eating so good around here. This is the best food ever. I'm gonna be like Wolfgang Puck in the kitchen and it's just gonna be healthy, healthy, healthy. And all of a sudden, my body is desired. It's craving healthy food. <clears throat> our identity is the same exact way. When our identity is broken, We actually crave things that are not healthy for our soul. When our identity is found in Christ, I only desire certain nutrients that come from the vine. Choice fruit. Choice fruit. And no wonder we live in the world that we live in. We're all running around asking the question, how is this happening, and why is this happening, and why do people do this, and why do people think that way, and why do people desire these things? Can I submit to us this morning that maybe, just maybe, we have a branch and vine issue Because if we had more branches running around, we might have more healthy families, marriages, relationships, friendships, workplaces, schools, culture, society. But we've got a bunch of sticks running around trying to make this thing work. And so my identity informs my appetites. Our appetite the things that He desires for our lives. When our identity is not found in Christ, then we trend towards things in life that don't build, benefit, or strengthen our lives. Have you ever been there before? No, I have. And here's the crazy thing. So many times we can come into church and we think, oh, we're just talking to people who don't know Jesus. No, I'm talking to all of us. This message is for all of us because I know plenty of people who know Jesus, but they still look, operate, and do life like a stick. Why? Because we haven't stood, therefore, in it. There will always be temptation in life for things that represent a life and identity outside of Christ, but I've come to find out that when my identity is stationed in Christ, the temptations that come my way are not as strong or as tempting. Here's the deal, started working out once again two weeks ago, got my clearance. For my birthday, some of you who are absolutely amazingly beautiful people, somebody sneakily last week put a bag full of lemon pies (laughs) on my front seat. If you weren't here, check it out on the podcast. I have a thing for hostess pies, okay? And they put them on my front seat, bags of them. And so, I've been tempted all week long. <laughs> At night, I wake up thinking about lemon pies. <laughs> <laughs> but everything inside of me says, no, don't, don't, don't eat the pie, eat the carrot, right? Now, At a certain point, I might eat the pie. (laughs) And that is where the metaphor falls through. (laughs) But here's the deal. In life, when our identity is stationed in Jesus, the temptations that once drew us so quickly and that we'd anchor ourselves to so quickly, they actually become less appealing. They become less desirable. They don't attract us as much anymore. This is what's so powerful about this truth. Our appetites truly reveal who and what our identity is stationed in. Come on, somebody. Here's the questions. What drives you? What excites you? What entices you? What tempts you? What controls you? These are pretty base indicators of our appetite and what our identity is built and founded upon. Are you always chasing the almighty dollar? Are you always chasing that next promotion? Are you always chasing that next high? Are you always chasing that next next illicit experience, whether it's human or by way of technology? So we've got to talk real about this stuff, church. We've got to be open about these things. Why? Because it's killing us. So then this is what Jesus says, if you abide in me, when somebody says, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then there's this caveat in verse 8 when he says, by this, this being the words that you speak, the things that you ask for, watch how this connects, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So let's rework the verse. If you abide in me, if you are a branch attached to the vine, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, the things that you wish and pray for and desire, by this, God will be glorified, and it will be proof of your discipleship. What's the Bible saying? It's saying that the things that are in us and the things that come out of us, our appetites, the things that we desire, prove our identity. And our identity is built for two purposes. Proof of discipleship and glorifying God. So the second hallmark of a man and a woman who have found them, their identity in Jesus. Is that we have a change in appetite. What are you hungry for? Number three. Come on everybody shout number three. Number three. The last one is this. We find acceptance in him. Come on. That's a good spot to say amen this morning. We find acceptance in him. Galatians 1.10. This is my most favorite verse. This is the verse that helps me get through it all in many, many moments of my life, many, many moments of ministry when things are tough and, I, and I'm drawn to live this way. Watch what it says, Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's go back to the, concept of a leaf on the ground in my front yard or on the tree in my front yard. Here's the question. Is it a leaf without the tree? Is it a leaf without the tree? Is it something that we can define as a leaf if it is no longer attached to the tree? This is in essence what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Our identity is only truly realized when we are still connected to the source that defines that identity. In other words, when we find acceptance in him. This piece of scripture is not dealing with hell and what happens if we're not good. It is dealing with us actually experiencing the life we are called to experience by being connected to Jesus, finding acceptance. You want to know that the best term for acceptance is this, divine placement. I love that. Divine placement in him. The branch can't be the branch, nor does it receive the necessary nutrients needed to thrive when it is disconnected from the vine. If I was a leaf, I would hate fall everybody turn to your neighbor and say that was deep and profound (laughs) why because as a leaf you've lost your purpose I mean just entertain me for a second if I'm a little leaf short and stout connected to a tree until I fall out yes yes I did it (laughs) I did it (laughs) how many of you know that when I fall I'm disappointed as as said little leaf. Why? Because my role, watch this, my role is to make a tree beautiful. Why? Because trees aren't beautiful as naked sticks. It's sinking in. Come on, some of you are getting this right now. Some of you are still like, did he say naked in church? (laughs) Come back to 5 p.m. Entertain me for a second here, but this is the reality of the leaf tree situation. Because when a leaf is no longer a leaf, when it's no longer connected, when it's no longer accepting of who it is and its role to play, it's no longer making the tree beautiful. It's just laying on the ground. I would hate fall. Why? This is why we all look forward to spring. Because we want to see the leaves again. Because we want to see that tree in its glory. When we allow ourselves to find and experience acceptance in Christ, we are creating the space necessary to fully experience what it means to be connected to Christ at a very fundamental level. The level that a branch connected to a vine experiences. A disciple A man and a woman must be attached to the divine source in order for fruit bearing to occur. And I want to leave us with this. Probably one of the most important thoughts and realities that we find in the gospel. Romans chapter 8 verses 13 to 17. If you have your Bibles, go there with me. It will be on the screen once again. And it says this. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive. In other words, your portion. The thing given to you that which has been gifted, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery or bondage to fall back into fear. That's good news for some of us this morning who are given to fear, who are given to insecurity. Ah, you haven't been given, that's not your portion, that's not your gift, that's not what you have received, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba Father, Daddy God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, watch what you are. I love this. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Right here, Paul is dealing with the difference between an orphan and an heir. And how many of you know that there's a difference between the mannerisms of an orphan and the mannerisms of an heir. You see, mannerisms are the product of identity, who we believe that we are. And so when we come to Jesus, we're removed from our orphan status and made an heir. I know that we have families in our church and in this, across all of our services, and other families who are walking down this path that of adoption. And I want you to know something, and I want you to notice something. Not once when you're introduced to a family who has adopted a son or a daughter, do they introduce you to their child as, this is my orphan, Uh uh-uh, why? Because as the family that just adopted them, they don't see them as an orphan. They see them as an heir. They see them as blood, as family. And so not once will you ever hear somebody say, this is my orphan in who I'm well pleased. No, they say, this is my son. This is my daughter. Why? Because they're giving identity to the orphan you've been brought back into a family where you once had no family where you were once rejected and minimized and placed in the rungs and the corners of society we have taken you out of that bondage and we have placed you in a secure place where you are fed and given everything that you need why? because I am your mother and your father and this is what Paul is saying now you gotta get this because this is what changes our identity because so many of us Our sons and daughters who still live like orphans instead of posturing ourselves as an heir. And so we worship God like an orphan, not an heir. We live in the world like an orphan, not an heir. My daughter, newsflash, thinks that she's going to run this church one day. Why? Why? because she walks as an heir yes. now we gotta work with some of that <laughs> but it's amazing how many of us approach God although he's given us the title of son and daughter we still approach him as an orphan an identity based upon the acceptance that we have in Jesus causes us to literally Listen, exchange an orphan posture for a royal position. And our mannerisms declare who we believe ourselves to be. They speak to our identity and whether it is one founded and formed upon Jesus. Church this morning, we've got to understand that identity is everything. These past seven weeks, as we've talked about relationships, none of it is possible, none of it is possible if we don't first allow ourselves to be connected to the vine. None of it is possible if we operate like orphans instead of heirs. None of it is possible if we continue to allow the appetites of bondage continue to enslave us. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning?